You're listening to episode 92 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. The boys are back to clown! No Phil, no Kale, all fun! With the added bonus that you can't see us. (laughs) Yes, uh, as it turns out, technology sucks. Uh, They figured out a lot of things. We can now uh, digitally create guns and all sorts of things. Hearts and whatnot. Organs. (laughs) But we can't figure out how to get proper video chat that works. Yeah, Skype rolled out an update that has fucked our video process. We troubleshot it for an hour and a half before we just had to start the show. So hopefully YouTube version will be back next week. We'll figure it out. We always do. Now, big, big week, obviously, in the wake of San Diego Comic-Con. Lots of stuff happened. Big old balls of mozzarella. Let's go. Right after we (laughs) finished recording our show last week, the trailers for Aquaman and Shazam both dropped. So that's massive. Uh, And uh, there was footage that was shown for Wonder Woman as well. So there's a lot to talk about. Some San Diego cleanup to do. And then, of course... The regular week, there's news that comes out. Uh, when we when we talk comics, when you talk comics, there's always uh, big, big headline stuff to get into. So we've got a lot to talk about today on this week's show, including the new issue of Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock number six has dropped. Let's go. Yes, and uh, we're going to be talking about that in a little bit for you guys. Very excited to do that. But before we get into everything, I've got to do my job, right? The part of, you know, the host and let you know where we are, where you can find us all over the web. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud. We are wherever you listen to podcasts except Spotify because that's hard to do. And you (laughs) can let us know where you want us to be if we're not there and we will get there. Except Spotify, you got to tell them to tell us that you want us there. Complicated? I know. Uh, We're also all over social media, at the Comics Pals. Hit us up. Let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods, what books you're picking up, etc. Send us those pals pulls. Uh, And you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can hit us up with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or whatever else is on your mind. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you're, well... I guess you're not watching this video, uh, but you're you're listening to this on YouTube. Uh, you can leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe to our channel. It's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. And hit that notification bell to make sure that you are all caught up on everything that we do. Notification. <laughs> so, I guess we'll just jump right into it. With a question that I have for you guys. Oh, so oh. Uh, is Uh-oh. that is that um? I, I'm just I'm just wondering. Is does that mean it's time for the random question of the week? Yes. The, and, wow. Okay. Uh, cool. I gotta tell you that didn't blow my eardrums out. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I was trying to play like a little more laid back, a little fancier than I normally yeah. do. You know. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. I've been watching a lot of My Hero Academia. I'm trying to do an impression of the guy with the belly button laser. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that sounds weird. You'd like that show, Sean. 
Doubt it. You said butt, belly button laser. <laughs> I draw the line. Oh, so it's fine if somebody shoots a laser out of their eyes or their hands as soon as it comes out of their stomach. Now it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I could, I could believe a laser beam out of the eyes. But that's just because Marvel told you it was possible. I mean, maybe, but like, <laughs> why would it come from the belly button? Because that's where your chi is, bro, in your stomach. Ah. So then why doesn't it come out your ass? I mean, who's to say it won't? I haven't seen that far in the show yet. (laughs) That's a hard pass. Butt lasers, Uh, let's go. (laughs) What's not a hard pass is that at New York Comic Con, uh, we did learn about DC's latest animated film offerings. We didn't cover this on the show uh, but they are releasing a Batman Hush animated film, a Reign of the Superman animated film, which is a follow-up to the Death of Superman film that they just released, which was premiered at San Diego Comic-Con, and Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Uh, so those got announced, and it got me to thinking about how there are so many classic comic book stories that have not been translated to animated film. So I wanted to pick your brains and get you thinking about a comic book storyline that you want to see adapted to animated film. Does it have to be like a... It It can be from anywhere. Anything? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing, Alan Moore, uh, the American Gothic storyline. Boom. Done. Classic horror shit. Cool. cool. I like that. Uh, what about you, Pete? For me, I would say it's um, it's all like stuff that's more indie, you know. Like um, I know <clears throat> we've talked on this show twice about different invincible adaptions, right? Um, I, like when they made the announcement that 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 was getting an animated series, like I was very into that because I definitely think that's a a, a book that the the characters and like the sights and sounds of it and everything like benefit would benefit from animation and would be really hard to achieve like on the big screen. So the fact that that's already happening, that would be my top pick. But my number two is another easy one from image. It's saga. You know, like I think if saga is ever going to get adapted, that's the best chance it has to be good, you know? Um, Cause I think you could do a great saga film or TV show, but the amount of money that you would have to be willing to throw down. It's just crazy. Yeah, like it would have to be like a Game of Thrones level productions, you know, season seven budget. Yeah, like and that yeah. like out the gate, you know, and like and maybe maybe you cut corners, right? Like there's some ways you could probably because you got to think there's a lot of stuff where they're like in the tree or whatever, and like stuff where you could kind uh, of like have sets like and bottle all episodes where they're smaller right. sets, but. That being said, even like it, you have to be really fucking strategic about it. It have to. It would be a big gamble. Whereas with an animated series, you can do whatever. You know, and I think if you really lay down the money and have like a really, really strong studio behind it, do it in like, you know, kind of like a loose like anime style even, um, I feel like it would it would work really well. You know, and like I think Fiona's art would translate. Um, oh, especially well in that kind yeah. of style. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like you're describing a series, though. Yeah, I, I would definitely think of it as like uh I don't know if it would have to be like a super, super long term series, but like I I would definitely think of it as like something where, you know, maybe they do like an arc from the early, you know, like the the, the first six issues or whatever. Right. And like if it's good, we get more. 
Yeah, but what about a movie? We're talking about an anime. Well, okay, movie. Mm, that's true. You know what I wouldn't mind seeing? Actually, though, would would be pretty cool. Would be Scott Pilgrim. As much as I do like the actual huh. one that we already got, um, I feel like that would work as like a film too. And each each book, like if you actually Different go through, style or something, yeah. And like if you yeah. actually go through like the whole books, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that got left out of the film adaption. Mm-hmm. So I would say you could probably do like books one and two could be a movie. Books two and th- uh, three and four and five and six could both be, you know, and you could have a trilogy. But you could also not do that. You know, because each one does stand alone and like kind of has a solid endpoint. So yeah. even if it was a thing where we only got one, it would be it would be worth the ride. And um, you know, that like I I really like the, you know, kind of like I, I feel like that like the the original art style, you know, is very kind of in line with popular animation right now. You know, with like the bold lines, simple faces. Um, you know, and like focus on like good writing and character development and stuff like that. And like Scott Pilgrim would fit right in there, you know? Um, so I think, I think that could totally work. And I love that IP and there's not really too much else you can do with it at this point other than that. So yeah, I'd be totally down for that. Um, and actually reconsidering that it's only going to be a movie, maybe that arc isn't great because it's like really long. Um, well, it would have to be. Uh, no, sorry for for me, 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 me for uh, Swamp Thing. Sorry. Oh, for Swamp Thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would actually do like the first, the first arc of that run, just because it's the new rediscovered origin, and then it ends with like really cool, uh, couple cool storylines, and kind of end within all that. So the first arc of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Cool. Uh, so I would go with Secret Wars, the the very first one. Oh, that'd be tight. Yeah, I don't think that that would ever work in a film setting. I think it's just too many characters type too thing. Too much setup, too. Um, yeah, well, actually, I was going to pick Civil War, but I thought that in order to do that story, there's a lot of missing context that you can't have in an animated film. Whereas with Secret Wars, it's really simple in my eyes to say these characters just appeared. They don't know why, and they're going to figure it out as they that's sort true. of you know fight each other. Yeah, like the same way the audience is. Yeah, and that's how it was in the comic. Like It really was just kind of they just got thrown there, and there's not a whole lot of uh, preamble. Um, like I, you said, I, though, I feel like that would be kind of hard to do with like a live action thing because people like expect that, you know? Whereas with the animated, you could just have it be like, you know, from one of the heroes' perspective, waking up and being like, what the fuck's going on? You know, and like, yeah. just jump right in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I just think it'd be a lot of fun. The Marvel really hasn't done much in the way of animated films, uh, at least not that I can recall in a, quite some time. It's really been about the series for them. So I would love to see a Secret Wars uh, animated series that sort of re ushers in the age of Marvel films on animated films and hopefully they could be good yeah dude because like they were good when they did them you know like i like at least i remember them being good like it's been so long since i watched them like who knows how they are really but like i i remember when i was in college and like netflix was you know still kind of like a new thing i remember they had all those like ultimate marvel films on there and like they had the doctor strange one um there was the black panther which was a series from hbo but like there was a lot of really good like adult animation 
for Marvel for a while, you know? And uh, that that was, like, such a, like, I miss that, you know? Like, that was, like, when DC's shit like that was at its peak, too, you know? And it was, like, every, like, you know, you, like, a couple, every couple months, you'd get, like, a really solid, like, hour and a half animated superhero movie, you know? And, like, those were tight. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed those. I I love the Ultimates film that they made, the part part one and part two. Dude, that one scene where like Hulk and Ant Man fight, and Hulk just grabs his stomach and like crushes his organs, like to like get him to like, or maybe it's like he breaks his leg or whatever. I think he does both, but like it was Whoa. just like it's so brutal. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and I I wish they would bring those back. It's probably not. Something that they would ever do. They already have the MCU. There's no real need for that. Yeah. But, uh, and like you said, cool. they have successful animated properties that are like targeted towards kids. Yep. Exactly. So they've they've got what they want. They don't need that market. DC can have that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But it's uh, like, why well, seed that ground, bro? It's like, just put them out. I'll fucking give you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I think I think the general consensus was always that... DC's animated properties were better and that Marvel's looked worse as well as just not being as good. I mean, that's true. You know, no- DC's is shit. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, their visual style is garbage. <laughs> Dude, like... <laughs> hate it. Like, do you mean like now or... Cause like now, like no, I mean like like even like before it was a little bit, it wasn't as rigid and it was a little looser, which was fine. Um, but it's still like like now, within the past, I want to say seven years it's been absolutely terrible well i'm not talking Uh, about seven years like i'm talking about like at its peak you know like when like from the you know from the time of like the 90s you know like dc's animation was always yeah no no no. you know like like, that stuff yeah yeah, that stuff was like solid and even in the early 2000s like they had like under the red hood and like they did the um uh the what was the fucking they did like three different bat like major Batman adaptions. Those were all in the 2010s. You're talking about uh bat the the Dark Knight, the, the Dark Knight one. Returns, Year One, Under the Year Red one. Hood. Wasn't Under the Red Hood was in the 2010s? I thought that was like 08, yeah. 09. No. Yeah, that was. Oh, was... so they were they were good for longer than I even thought. Then. Yeah. Um. Under the Red Hood actually came out exactly in 2010. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think they're they started to fall off. Uh, probably around like 2013. I remember Justice League War. I think was the first one that I saw where I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, that a lot of people didn't really care for that. I I enjoyed it personally, but um, yeah, I I think that's when. And then they started to make like every movie was Batman, and that's yeah. really when the the complaints started to roll in. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think I think like for me, ever since Under the Red Hood. That was the last one I think I really loved. Yeah, I think that was the last one that was, like, great. Like, that's, like, a fantastic film, you know? Um, Like, fucking John DiMaggio does such a good job as the Joker in that. Yeah. Which, like, it's tough to, you know... Like, it's tough to see an animated performance of the Joker and have it not be Mark Hamill and have it and be like, oh, no, like, it's great, you know? But yeah, his Joker was it was different. It was like lower and gruffer and like yeah. kind of a little bit more like the gangster Joker, I feel like. But like it worked for me. Like I, I thought that film was great. That blew me away. Yeah, for sure. 
hopefully with this new with this next batch, DC gets back on the horse. Uh, Hush presents them with a really good opportunity because that's obviously a classic comic book story. Yeah. They can pull from Jim Lee's style for that, uh, which obviously he brought a lot to that book. That's a really pretty book. And, and they won't. And, well, you're probably right, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then also there are so many characters in that book that they can use for the series as well that it gives you a lot more to play with that those movies really you never see, like Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. So if they do use those characters, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's like those are the characters like Rogue's Gallery always finds itself in like a weird spot for me where I feel like there are a lot of characters who people think of as like the A-list, A-list, and they get used so much that a lot of the like B-listers who are as good as anybody else's A-listers like get under, you know, shown. Like I sure. feel like there, uh, there's just so many fucking excellent Batman villains. Um, so yeah, like I would love for them to, like you said, explore some of those ones that we don't get to spend quite as much time with usually. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move on to our pals polls for the week. Some good Start, stuff this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had some really good weeks. Yeah, recently. like the last like two months. I feel like every week there's been a few books that are like really exciting. This is one of the best summers for comics that I can recall. In quite some time. Yeah. So with Marco, we've got Seeds, number one. Uh, yeah, this is the new David Aja book. Oh. Um, uh, under Dark Horse and Burger Books. So very oh, nice. excited for this one. Um, this is one that Kale was also pretty excited for. Uh, the creative team is insane uh, i actually started following the inker and colorist uh, matt lopez and annie uh, nascenti um and yeah it, it looks really cool um i didn't read the preview for it because i kind of want to just like jump into it like not knowing what it is uh, i just know their work so I'm, I'm excited to see it um yeah david aj on the book is enough for me yeah so. That's, that's great. pretty cool. And then you also chose I Am a Hero Omnibus Volume 7. Yeah, boy. So this book is one of my favorite horror mangas right now. It is insane. Um, and they release it in omnibus format, uh, at least here in the States. And so it's extended weights for these things. Um uh, so whenever uh, anyone drops, I'm, I get really excited for it because I get to catch up. It's they're all like 900 pages or some shit. Oh shit, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like it's like a thick book, so it, it's gonna last me a bit. <laughs> um, but like yeah, two days. super. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe day and a half. We'll give it. <laughs> um, but definitely anyone who's into zombies. Uh, and horror in general and manga brian uh shout out to your listener brian he is into this shit so definitely a book for you if you're interested i had a friend of mine lend me a manga recently that i read i'm wondering if you've heard of it uh shoot i'm struggling on the name it's about a guy who it's about a world where there are humans and then there are these like monster type creatures, but they look human. They just also feed off of humans for survival. Have you heard of that, Pete? Blue beat, maybe bleach, or not bleach? Attack on Titan? Not no. Attack on Titan. Oh man, what is the name of that? 
he lent it to me and I read it so fast that I gave it right back to him and he hasn't given me the next volume. And yet. you liked it? I loved it. Oh, dude, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Dude, is this the year where we get into anime and, and manga, Yo, Sean? let's oh, go, son. Dude, I like, I, I'm about to, like, I was I was going to say, I'm about to read my first manga because I'm, like, real into My Hero Academia right now. And Wait, I'm, like, you 30, read- I'm halfway through the second season. And, like, when I finished the third season, my girlfriend's sister was like, I have all the manga if you want to borrow them. And I was just like, yo. Because she, she offered, and I was like, we'll see. I don't know if I'm that into it yet. And now I'm just kind of like, ah, I like this shit. Son, yes, <laughs> it's happening. 2018 people. I'm so twenty-seven. Jesus, <laughs> uh, it's a year so, of upheaval. <laughs> so Pete chose Leviathan number one. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. So this is a brand new image book. Uh, the number one comes out this week, and uh, it just caught my eye. You know, um, so it is. Uh, it's a story about. Um, I'm just gonna read a little bit here. It's like the two sentences for the elevator pitch. Poor Ryan DeLuca didn't buy enough beer for his party, and while he was out on a beer run, his idiot buddies busted out some mystical arcana and performed a summoning ceremony, a ceremony that summoned a giant monster from hell. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. Uh, and also, it, it sounds like something that I feel like would happen to me, like if my life was a comic book. Like Thompson would like have some dark ritual or something and summon Cthulhu <laughs> monster. And I'm just like, fuck, I guess I gotta, I was just trying to get beer, but now I gotta fight a Cthulhu. <laughs> and that's um that's the writer uh is that lay yeah it's john john layman from chew uh, yeah and yeah. then nick patara is doing pencils he's uh known for the manhattan, manhattan project Pro- yep and then um the colors of manhattan project is also joining them michael garland uh so fucking really cool team uh like the just like the cover just like has these like giant like dragon slash dinosaur looking monsters so i don't know it looks fun it's like it sounds like a fun premise i'm definitely interested in checking it out that's awesome i I was thinking about picking that up as well uh and the anime i was talking about was tokyo ghoul oh Oh, that's a good one that's a good one yeah yeah uh so i chose mr miracle number 10 uh, Mr. Miracle has been on fire. I thought that the last two issues were absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. There's a particular moment in the most recent issue that I was stuck on for a couple of minutes, just just staring at it. It was really gruesome, uh, but also made me look at um, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda in a different way. And... Uh, I can't wait to see how they follow up. It looks like Darkseid's about to uh, make his presence felt. And yeah, he's playing his hand. Yeah. So things are heating up. Jump on this book. It's so good. It's so, Dude. so good. Yeah, like I, I own up until I, I think I'm missing 10 and 11 now because that'll be out. Um, but yeah, I, I like I read the first two and then just like missed one or two of them. I'm just like, ah, I just like kind of want to wait now. Like I've like missed it so long. I'm just like, I want to just read it all. Like I read Vision, you know, and like just in one sitting. Um, but every time you guys talk about it, I'm like, fuck, right? Like <laughs> there's like Yo, eight issues of this I haven't read. That fire. last, that I think like the last couple pages where like Dark Side flexes. Yeah. Holy shit, yes. dude! <laughs> I was jaw on the floor. Dark yep. Side is fucking ripped our side is <laughs> uh and then pete and i both chose captain america number two 
Yeah, baby, let's go, man. Um, I loved issue number one. I think Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, his Black Panther run that we read for our book club way back uh, was great. And uh, I'm just excited to see what he does. You know, like I, I was interested in this arc already, but I thought that the the first issue did a really good job of kind of like briskly setting the tone for what it seems like this book is going to be. And I'm really interested to see where he goes. And, you know, like, I don't know that issue number two is going to be the one that, like, really knocks knocks your socks off. Like, I imagine it's going to take a little bit of time to get going. But, um, yeah, like, when I was just, like, thumbing through what's out this week, this is the book I'm most excited about, like, by a wide margin. And it's really cool to, like, feel that way about a Marvel book because it's been so, – I've been so disconnected from it for so long. Um that yeah, I'm I'm really I'm excited on this series, and I hope it I hope it keeps my interest. It's hot fire. It's really really good. Like that first issue blew my fucking hair back. Yeah. So let's let's talk about another comic book that's hot fire and has been blowing our hairs back. Let's talk about Doomsday Clock. Let's go, boys! Doomsday Clock. It's so goddamn good. Doomsday I'm, Clock uh, number six. It feels like forever that we've been waiting uh it's been two months right yeah um let's just dive right in this issue follows and kind of talks about the origins of the mime uh and marionette Marionette. thank you blanking uh so it, it goes into their origin not as much backstory as i kind of expected given what we got with the rorschach issue uh, but that was to this issue's favor because it also allowed us to further the plot. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of this one? I I really like this issue. Um, I, I this is probably it's it's in the competition for my favorite issue so far, um, alongside number four, the Rorschach issue that you just mentioned. Um, I really like these new characters that Johns has introduced, uh, and I. I like when when you told me on air last week that it was going to be the backstory of of Marionette. Um, I was really excited because I've been super interested in her and Mima's characters, and we've kind of gotten away from them for a little bit uh, these last couple issues as we've like moved the plot forward, which has been good. I think that's been to the story's benefit. But taking a beat to slow things down and kind of give me more of them is something I really appreciated as a reader. Uh, and I like I already liked them. You know, and I, I can never quite articulate why. Like, I think it's just honestly, like, the romantic in me. Like, I kind of, like, I like their chemistry. I like them together. And, like, getting to see their backstory and um, that, like, made them more humanized to me and even, like, feel more empathy for them um, was great because I already liked them and I really couldn't articulate why. And now it's like, oh, I, I don't know. There's like, there's a vulnerability there. You know, there's like a, a sweetness and a tenderness between them that like, even though they're clearly, you know, um, capable of being murderous psychopaths that like humanizes them for me. You know, it's like the way that I feel like people like try to act like Joker and Harley are, they like actually are. <laughs> and uh, that like Bonnie and Clyde thing, you know, works for me. And um Getting to see that, like, they had this history that went back, like, way further than I ever anticipated uh, was just cool, you know? Um, and it, it very much painted them in a, a sympathetic light for me. Yeah, I, I uh, just so we're clear, full spoilers, Wee-woo. obviously. Sure. Um, 
a lot of villains are crazy because they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these two are not. Uh, they had traumatic, traumatic stuff happen to them. And we see, you know, they're kids when these things happen. So, yeah, that's going to carry over and affect you in, in, in really negative ways. But I think getting to see that made me root for them in a way that I wasn't before. Uh, Marco, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I, I agreed a hundred percent with what Pete was saying. Um, and I think it's to, to John's credit that he created these characters that we feel are interesting enough that they deserve the, a backstory and that we're getting it and it's being done so well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this. This was a really, really strong one for me. Um, and yeah, ex- exactly what, what Pete said. I, I like that they have a larger history because it, it sort of shows, um, it shows them in sort of two lights, like the, the after and like the, the before kind of thing. Um, and I like that reflected in a, in a lot of these characters because that, that's a lot of what it is to become a superhero as much as it is to become like a supervillain in, so, in a lot of senses, you know? And so seeing that, um, it's, it's just been, it's been cool, especially for these characters. So yeah, uh, hats off. And the Joker was a little weird for me in this one. He seemed a little more uh, manic. I think, um, but that's unheard uh, of, though, right? Yeah, uh, which is why it's kind of like eh, you know. Um, but I don't know. I, I overall had fun with this issue. Really solid, and the art is always kills it. So Gary Frank, I, I will say uh, the one moment with the Joker that I did really, really appreciate was um, uh, I don't, I don't, I think it was page twenty I wanna say. Um hold on, I'm 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 trying to pull it up right now. Uh but it's like after um <laughs> there's like the explosion and he's just like sitting there with the fire and he's like, Oh, it's like really did turn out like to be like a lovely day. Oh yeah, yeah. what a perfect day this turned out to be. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, what a perfect day this turned out to be. Like <laughs> I just I, I got such a kick out of that. Uh just that that shot of him, you know, like smiling with the the explosion in his face. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. truly a nutcase. Frank Frank is just so good, man. Also, shout out to the mime being called Marco. What up? Yeah, right? Oh, true. <laughs> it's funny because like, I definitely did not realize that he was supposed to be Spanish. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like I can see it now. I I, I was I just kind of like thought it's like, oh yeah, he's just a like generic white dude with black hair because this is a comic book. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this issue didn't okay first of all i loved it it's really good right um but i don't think that it was one of the best issues of this series so far given how great everything has been it's missing some of the or at least i missed it if if you know it's always possible that there's stuff there that i didn't catch but with each prior issue there's a lot of subtext and there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of hidden meaning and things like that, clues, and I didn't really feel like this issue had those. Um, but I guess what it lost in that, it does gain in giving us real stakes for the mime and marionette, which is super important because I believe that Dr. Manhattan is about to join the fray. And their whole reason to be involved in this 
is to find him so they can get their kid back ultimately. And now we now we understand why getting their kid I mean your parents getting your kid back is important regardless, but the fact that uh Marionette's father told her, you know, one day you're going to have a family and all that jazz. So her her child is so important. Her relationship to the mime is so important. And I I love that we finally now have a reason to care and understand why that's the case. Um, But I really feel like this book is now at the point where it's either going to ramp up and become legendary or it's going to get weird and maybe bad. Because, I, like I said, Dr. Manhattan is coming. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I I gotta say, I would be really surprised if they didn't, if they botched the landing on this one, because I really do think these six issues have been so good, you know? Um, I, like, I really do think that what we've gotten so far has been, has has continually exceeded my expectations. The worst issue of these six has been, like, good. You know, like, and I I have a hard time imagining that it isn't all going somewhere that's going to be satisfying. But uh, I think it's interesting, like you said, that there wasn't as much, um, I guess, like breadcrumb leaving for us this time around, you know, but I, I feel like it was very much like, like you said, what it what it sacrificed for that. I think it gave us more character development than we got. In the uh, in the Rorschach issue specifically, which is the last time we got kind of a tighter character focus like this, um, we definitely went deeper with these characters than I feel like we did with uh, with Rorschach too. And I also think that it served as like foreshadowing in a way that some other issues haven't. Like they've given us breadcrumbs to like think about and chew on the larger mystery, but this was the first time I felt like the book really telegraphed what was coming next in like a very like like I agree with you that I think Dr. Manhattan is right around the corner. I feel like he's probably going to show up in the next issue. Um based on the conversation that they have, you know, of like, oh, like you know, if anyone's going to know where he is, it's probably the comedian and the comedian's here and like maybe we're going to see them have that tangle with him and and figure out why the comedian is alive and why he's here and what the fuck's going on. And I think all that's going to finally come to a head in the next issue. And I feel like this was just kind of taking a step back, but also teeing us off for the the second half of the story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was actually wondering if the comedian had died. I guess not, probably not. That'd be weird because the Joker does shock him. Um, but he's probably not dead, I guess. I imagine that he's going to like wake up tied to a chair and they're going to interrogate him and try to find out what he knows about John. Right. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right to me. Uh, the one thing that was kind of weird was the whole villain meeting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a little long. It was very long. It was throughout the entire issue pretty much. And it, it was, this was a an issue that was so focused on the emotion between Mime and Marinette showing their present, their past, and then this other story about these villains that just seemed to come out of nowhere. However, it does actually, there's a very massive thing in this issue, which is that if you pay attention to the back matter, we now know for a fact that the Superman theory is is is, is real. That, that the government really is creating... Uh, super super powered beings 
because the 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 guy who dies, uh, what's his name, the tornado or uh, the typh- typhoon, yeah. yeah, typhoon, yeah, he was an employee of the government. If you, if you read the back matter, it, it, yeah. it clearly says that. So the confidential files, yeah. So that's that's a huge revelation, and I'm really wondering how that's going to play into this series. It may or may not, but I definitely think that it's going to play into the future of DC. Yeah, right. Um, I think I think you're right on that. Yeah, I don't know if it'll come into play in Doomsday Clock specifically, but I imagine that that might be the next big storyline, right? Is that like the government does have this series of agents and, you know, who can you trust? And, you know, like that, that right. could be really interesting, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really like when there's like kind of like mystery and espionage mixed in with my superhero stories. So that, that could be really fun. The other uh, sort of mysterious appearance uh, and event is the the Judge of Owls. Uh, yeah. That I is thought not that a, was really interesting. That is not a character that has appeared anywhere before. So it's a question of, okay, cool, there's a Judge of Owls. Didn't know that. Where is he going to appear next? My assumption is that that's going to be something that happens in uh, the Batman run, the current ongoing, because uh, it's in continuity. We know that. So that probably eliminates Scott Snyder's all-star Batman just because that's right. black label. That's kind of like continuity light uh, Batman. This is Although Three Jokers is in bl- under black label. So who knows what continuity even, you know? That's true, too. Uh, and Scott Snyder is the person who created the Court of Owls. So yeah. you're right. Who knows? It's just really interesting that they threw that in here. Yeah. I thought that was like a really surprising nod. And I, I like as someone who doesn't know anything about those characters, like all I know is that that was a big run. Like I remember it coming out when I was at the height of my Marvel fanboyism, I think, um, if I'm getting my dates correctly. And uh, I, I, I saw that and I was like, oh – like, is that just a nod to those characters or or what? And the fact that you're telling me that that like I figured that was just the leader of the Court of Owls from that run that happened in 2013 or whatever, you know, like. So that's really interesting to me. Like, I wonder if that's going to I wonder if that's going to come up again or if that is just a nod to the future of Batman. Oh, it's it's 1000 percent going to come up again. And the other thing is that this is taking place a year ahead of DC continuity. So, OK, that, that he, was going to be my next question. Yeah, he makes mention of what's going on in Gotham and implies that it was orchestrated by the court. And what's going on in Gotham at this time in Doomsday Clock is unrest. They want Batman's head. Yeah, the anti-Batman sentiment. Right. So I'm hoping that whatever, however we get there is going to start to appear in the, the Batman issues that are coming out now so that we can catch up and see how this all kind of interrelates. Uh, That's super cool. Yeah. And then the only other comment I had about this issue was just how great the art was. Gary uh, Frank is so Gary incredible. Frank is Precious. such a fucking G, dude. The And the nine-panel grid, you know, a lot of people, they, they don't understand why it's so good, and they think that it's overblown, but I'm telling you that when you see this kind of book 
and you see pages like the, like later on uh, when uh, the cops break into the the shop. Uh, uh, and, yep. That's, yep. Yeah, and you see how this is laid out and everything. Like that's why the nine is so good. Like, I'm sorry. I, I I don't ever like to just like sweepingly be like if you feel this way like you're an asshole but like if you have a problem with nine panel grid layouts like get the like what dude they're I I fucking love them so much when they're done by the right person and like Gary Frank is such an amazing talent dude like page twenty seven the the page where it's like the the cut of it's like that inner cut of, about Marinette and Mime's history where she's just like we're in this together and like you know whatever like that's such an emotional fucking page. Oh, and, the twelve page, the twelve pager, or the twelve panel? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm specifically yeah. talking about twenty seven, but yeah, like I can't see the. I, 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 oh, I, yeah. Right, right. Oh, you know what? It's uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the one where the, the last three panels are like the one where they kiss and she says, but I can't lose you. Oh yeah. 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 yeah That's like a really just, good one. Just, just like, like look at the, what the fifth panel and then the seventh panel, right? Like of just the work, like the, the tight fucking angle on their faces, you know, it's just like, oh, like there's just so much, I don't know. There's just so much fucking emotion in this page. And like he's just he's so goddamn good. Yeah, they they did an incredible job with this issue. And again, we've said this on the show before, but when you're getting work of this quality, uh, wait, wait, there's no amount of time that'll be too long to wait. Yeah, I don't even matter. care. Like I yeah. like yep. I'm at a point yep. where like I'm so over the fact that it's like I just have accepted that that's what it is. So now when it does happen, I'm just like so, like. Last week when it was like, oh, that's our pals pull next week. It's like, yes, like, fuck yes. I am so ready for the next one. And honestly, like, it's kind of nice because it's making it last longer, you know? <laughs> so, uh, as always, we'll be back uh, whenever the next Doomsday Clock issue comes out. We will be reviewing that for you guys. We're going to follow this book all the way straight through, uh, which pff, by the time it, it's over, will be in 2019, I think. Uh, at this rate, so, but we'll, we'll stick with it as it rolls out. Uh, so we're gonna jump into the news. Uh, I don't necessarily wanna spend time talking about this, but I did wanna, uh, make mention of the fact that the Disney Fox deal, uh, has gone through, uh, as both company shareholders have officially approved the deal. So, it's happening. As far as, yeah, that's it. Um, so, there's nothing really to say. We've talked about it to death. Just wanted to reiterate that it now is happening for sure. Uh, and now it remains to be seen what that's going to mean, really. Uh, it looks like we won't find out uh, more information until 2019 when the deal is done. Right. First half of 2019. Yeah, and even after that, you got to imagine it's going to take oh, – it's going to be a few years before we really see meaningful fallout from this, I think especially as it regards to the MCU, right? Like most people are looking at this and are excited for the MCU implications and that's not going to really hit for quite yeah. some time. Yeah, I think I think you're far more likely to see this matter in like the comic space, in the gaming space, maybe in the animated series space well before there's ripples in the MCU. I did want to share one tweet uh, regarding this, 
that uh, I, I that I enjoyed. Uh, it was from Joshua Yell from uh, IGN. He's their main comics guy, and he posted a tweet uh, that said, "Quote in quotes: Disney buying Fox means the X Men can finally team up with the Avengers." And then he put a GIF of Natalie Portman from Star Wars: uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, saying, "So this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he followed that up by saying, I will continue to cover the movies like we do everything else, and will inevitably get excited when the X-Men Fantastic Four series or movies get made, but that doesn't mean I'll turn a blind eye to the bigger ramifications of this merger. And I think that's where we all stand. Yep. Yeah, that that is a perfect sentiment to end the story on for now, because I imagine it's something that we're going to have to talk about again and again and again. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, last week we talked about the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy director, James Gunn, being fired from the film uh, and sort of, you know, what that what that meant for the franchise. Uh, but now there is a petition, there are several petitions, but the most active one has crossed 300,000 signatures to Whoa. rehire... James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy. How much, John? Th- over 300,000. 300,000 and one. <laughs> 300,002. <laughs> there you go. Uh, several members of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 cast have come out in support of James Gunn, including uh, Dave Batista, who we, we referenced what he had said. Uh, last week, uh, Karen Gillan, Palm Clementif, uh, Michael Rooker deleted Twitter altogether. He's over it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he got off that platform. I'm pretty sure De- uh, Batista like sent out a bunch of more to tw- a bunch more tweets too. He's gone in. Yeah, yeah. He like he like he went on like that whole rant where he basically echoed the sentiments we made last week of just like yeah, like this is really great when until the call out culture comes for you. So like you know. This is like a real, uh, you know, I, it's, it's just it's 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 I, I, I shouldn't say it's surprising to see this much support, but I'm surprised to see this much vocal support from people who like are are still hired by the company that fired him. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the funniest thing that I saw in regards to this whole situation was uh, so a lot of a lot of celebrities, a lot of actors have come out in support of James Gunn. One of them is someone that no one would expect. Someone most people probably haven't even heard of, and that is Bobcat Goldthwait. Now, Bobcat Goldthwait is a comedian uh, who uh, was in Hercules. He he was in the the Hercules uh, animated film that uh, most of us have probably seen. Uh, and he's asked that Disney, he, he personally approached Disney oh, yeah. and asked them to not use his voice for his Hercules character uh, as long as James Gunn is not playing. Whoa, that's funny. He, he was, um, he's one of the two little devil guys, the the fat right. one. I can't, yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, oh, pain yeah, and yeah. panic. I think he's pain. Yeah, the red one. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember which of which 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have a ton more to say about this. I wanted to update the story just because it has sort of blown up. I stand by what I said last week. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah. I don't think we need to belabor the point. I guess. My, yes, let's not. The, the thing I'm interested in is to see. No, I was just going to say the thing I'm interested in is just to see where this goes. You know, is like, does this actually matter? Because I don't think it will. But if there's enough support like if the whole reason they fired him was because of you know uh perceived pr issues if people raise enough of a fucking stink about it you know is is that any better yeah so my question is is there any chance that he gets rehired because this movie was scheduled to shoot uh really soon so They've that, what that means to me is that they've already got the script, or at least a working script, something they can work from and then maybe re you know rewrite during shooting, which is common. But they've got a script and they've got everything else in line. So if the movie is about to shoot, they just lost their director. Are they going to then hire a director and rewrite the script, or delay it, or de- like. well, well, that would mean a delay, right? You if you if you have to find a director and then employ their vision, you have to change the script. Right. Yeah. What director are you going to find that's just going to shoot from a script you already have with no alterations? I mean, yeah, right. Not with no alterations, but I I could see them doing something like what they did with Ant-Man, where they bring in somebody and, like, alter what happened, but, like, a lot of the fingerprints of the original vision are still kind of there. That would probably be the most likely scenario. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, the groundswell of support, like... It's so soon that I feel like it would be embarrassing for them to backtrack and and that, but like in the same breath, like imagine how much time and money it would save them to just hire him back if they're like, oh, people don't care, whatever. What do you think, Marco? Uh, and since Guardians has always been like one of the bigger movies that has had large implications in the MCU, I wonder how that's going to affect the scheduling of the rest of the movies as well, if at all, if they have right. to find a director because they 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 pay. They're usually like big stuff in terms of the larger story, so Sure. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a big problem. That movie has a twenty twenty uh release window. How are you gonna meet that now? Yeah. Um so moving moving right along, I wanna talk about some of the announcements and whatnot from San Diego Comic-Con. Obviously, there's still a bunch of stuff that we did not get to from last week. If you missed our coverage last week, you can head on over to episode 91, where we've got just a ton of news that we discussed over there. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to hit on is the trailer for Deadly Class, yeah. which is debuting on Sci-Fi. Uh, did both of you guys have a chance to check this out? Yep. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, have uh, either of you read it at no. all? Uh I think I read like the first issue maybe, but like but when it first came out, so okay. years ago. Yeah, yeah, so what did you make of the trailer? It was really really cool. Um I remember the general premise of the uh of of the comic, so being able to see it sort of translated and in the way that it was, knowing that it's going to be on sci-fi and uh it all looked like it had a pretty good production and the Russo brothers, right? Yep. So like all of it was just, it was tight. Um, the trailer didn't showcase a whole lot about, like it introduced the general plot, but it didn't show anything too much. Um, and I, 
I liked it. I, I had fun with the trailer, and it's a show that I felt that through the trailer conveyed that I'm going to enjoy it, the show when it comes out. Right. Yeah, I would say I, I pretty much agree with what Marco's throwing out there. Um, because I, I haven't read Deadly Class, like, I don't... My hype level is is really more based around just, like, trusting... Like, the book and the, yeah. the directors. Right, that, like, I know Sean really likes it, so it's probably mm-hmm. good source material, and it's a book I've, I've always known has been one of the, like, image standouts that I just kind of missed um, for whatever reason. So that that on its face already had me interested from the start and then the fact that it's like the russos you know like puts it up of just like yeah i mean like i'm I'm gonna watch this like i was gonna give it a shot no matter what um but the first trailer like didn't not to say that it didn't do anything for me but it just it wasn't it didn't like blow my skirt up you know but like this one uh for whatever reason like i think the style and the tone just came across a lot better and it it very much gave me an impression of like what the feel of this show is, you know, and like what the attitude of Deadly Class is supposed to be. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm interested in this, you know, like this is definitely um, it, it hits a good Venn diagram for me. So the very first footage that they had released, which Pete just referenced, was more about selling you on what it was without footage. It was very little footage. At that point, they hadn't shot very much. They had the Russo brothers talking about it, and they had different, you know, different people kind of discussing what Deadly Class is. Here's why Deadly than, Class is cool. Exactly. This is the show, right? And we always, you know, show don't tell. This is the show. And it looks phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of the comic. It's one of my favorite comics ever. And this captures the tone and spirit of Deadly Class perfectly. I really, based on just a trailer, I mean, it's only a trailer. Based on this, I can't see where they went wrong with this. This looks incredible. Uh, Don't know how the cast is going to do, obviously, because this is a trailer. But they look right. Everybody looks the part. Um... My biggest concern is that it is on sci-fi. Not because sci-fi can't put out good television, but but because Deadly Class is a gruesome comic book. Deadly Class is a horrific book. And there are certain things that happen that they cannot show on television. So, or at least not on sci-fi. So if this was on HBO or... Um, is it like sexual stuff or something that's like... It's sexual, but it's also hyper-violence. I feel like they could get away with hyperviolence. I mean, AMC does. You know, I've and like, never, I've never seen anything cr- crazy on sci-fi. Uh, sci- go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I know, that, like, maybe they don't have the precedent for that, but now that they are moving into like this new era of content for them, you know, like where they they did that uh, Grant Morrison adaption with oh, Happy, yeah, uh, Happy, three, and yeah. you know, like, they It seems like they're trying to like ramp up the quality of their content and like be more serious. Um, I'm sure that they can just cause they haven't doesn't mean that they can't, you know? Cause like you think about some of the shit that they've shown in like walking dead or breaking bad and like sci-fi is in the same category of networks in terms of like, just like rules, you know? Right. If it's, if it's not rated M, then it's not going to, it's not going to be the same. So we'll see. 
obviously we we don't know uh until the show drops there's no way to really know but again I have very high hopes for this. I know Rick Remender has been heavily involved. He's been on set every day. I'm pretty sure he's written stuff. Um, so, and then the Russo brothers. So this is a recipe for success on every level. And now it's just, you know, for the show to come out and for us to see uh, how close to perfect it is. I think there's every reason to be positive, though. You know, like there, there's nothing that we've seen or heard that uh, that is like given that should give me or that has given me pause anyway. Right. Like as someone who hasn't read the book, like I guess I can't say that should give you pause, but it seems like we're pretty aligned on that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm- and, and the other thing is Recommender is not a shill. He's not the kind of guy who's going to just say, yeah, it's great when he hates it. I've never seen him be that person he was critical of marvel while he was there um he's he's honest he's an honest guy he's probably he's him and christopher sabella the, the most honest creators that i've ever known so go ahead i was gonna say too for like i i also have like a tremendous amount of trust in the russos like yeah. if, they, if they care about this ip like they say that they do which i'm sure they do like i'm sure that they're they're just as dedicated to making sure that they're sticking to that vision you know um while also bringing their own flavor to it of course um but yeah i mean i don't know i i i feel really positive about this coming out of this trailer in a way that i didn't before not that i felt bad about it but i'm like yeah no like this seems like something to really keep an eye out for you're gonna I'm love sure it'll be good because it's very um rick remender's roots are in punk and this show is so inspired by his life and like the things that he saw in, in, in that era, the music is all inspired by that. Um, so you're, yeah, this show is for you. The comic book is for you. I, I really do want to read the comic because ever since you told me it was one of your favorites, it's been like, oh, I should really go back and check that out. Um, but yeah, seeing this too, like I said it after the last trailer, I was like, I do really want to go back and read it now because I haven't, and this is a good a good excuse. Um, yeah. But seeing this trailer made me, I was like, oh, this does really seem like my kind of vibe. Like, I, I saw, like, a bunch of the kids with, like, very, like, punky kind of style, and I was like, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> well worth your time. So, let's move on. Let's talk about Marvel. Marvel was kind of low-key at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, they had a bunch of comic book-based announcements that we talked about last week, um, which were cool. They were interesting. Um, the later half of the convention, they didn't have as much to say, uh, but they did announce on Sunday, the return of the uncanny X-Men. Uh, that is cool, right? But they didn't announce anything else. They didn't announce a creative team. Uh, they didn't announce a date. We Uh, are making a book. We promise. Right. Exactly. We don't know the, the cast and that's weird. I got to be honest. Um, Uncanny X-Men obviously is the flagship title or has traditionally been so for the X-Men. It ran for 544 issues, completely uninterrupted. uh, And then the relaunches started. And, you know, that's when the sales started to slump. Um, Which, of course, you know, we've seen before. Um, My question for you guys and, and I understand that you guys haven't really been keeping up with the X-Men at all. My question for you guys is, is the X-Men brand strong enough 
that they can relaunch Uncanny X-Men and have it be prestigious in the way that it has been in the past. I don't know, man. I feel like the X-Men brand is in a really weird place right now. Um, I I feel like for a certain generation, the X-Men are really important. I think if you're our age and a little bit older um, and maybe a little younger, you probably have a really strong connection to the X-Men. But the X-Men haven't been that X-Men in such a long time. Um, and I think like between how they, you know, as a, as a IP, like they've been kind of sequestered from the rest of the Marvel stuff for like the last four years or so. Um, I don't think that's helped. And I, I, like when I look at like, you know, like young kids today, I like, I don't think the X-Men have the resonance with them that they did for us, you know? And like that. I don't I don't think that the brand can't come back and and regain the prestige that, that that it once had, but I think it's gonna take more than just relaunching the book. You know? I don't think it's a thing where they can just put it out and pick up where they left off. Because I think like there's there's a lot of just like baggage, I feel like, around the X-Men right now. And I think we really need like a real kind of return to form. You know, because, like, even when I feel like they were kind of trying to do that when they were like, oh, we're bringing back X-Men blue and gold, right? And then, like, there was all that drama with the art and the cover and that, like, anti-Jewish stuff. And, like, that kind of muddied that narrative. And, you know, like, I, I, I just, I feel like it's, you know, they brought back Jean Grey and now they brought back Logan. And, like, it, it feels like they're trying to kind of get back to status quo for the X-Men but I don't even know what that is anymore, you know? And, like, so many of the characters that mean something to me are, like, dead or gone or they're, like, fucking weird now. Like who? Like, um, like you know, like, for the longest time, like, Nightcrawler was gone. I don't know where what his status is right now. He's back. Oh, he's back? Okay, so there you go. Like, he's back. Um, you know, like, I really liked Jubilee when I was a kid. And I know she's, like, an adult vampire now. So it's, like... <laughs> You know, like, that's just what? what I mean that, like, yeah. Like, there's just, there's weirdness. There's a lot of, like, I don't know who's alive and who's dead. And I, you know, and, like, and granted, like you said, me and Marco are not reading anymore. But, like, we both love the X-Men. So the fact that we aren't reading, we don't care, and we're not sure what's really going on, that says something about where the brand is, you know? Whereas, like, I think... I, I think that it, it, it's definitely a strong enough, like, the X-Men are awesome, and they they do have so much range and so much ability to um, kind of do anything in a way that I, I don't think as many other superhero brands are that malleable, that, like, I don't think it would be hard to fix the X-Men and, and get, get them back as one of those marquee titles, but... I, it's a lot of work that I don't know that Marvel's going to be willing to do, you know, or or like or or have the foresight to do properly because we've seen how they've handled some stuff like this in the past. What about you, Marco? Yeah, they've uh, sort of been on the back burner for me. Uh, I I know when they would start to do relaunches, I would try to get them because 
I do I do like them and I I do want to read them, but nothing's been able to really entice me. And uh, I I I don't think it's necessarily the story. I think it's just like what Pete said. Like I don't know where they're at. There's new X Men. I don't know the some of the new X Men. Uh, and I don't know what's been going on in in the world. So it's kind of hard to, uh, and especially for me who, you know, I I just. X-Men I, I know history about, so like, at least that isn't as rough for me, but it's hard for me to jump into a book where so much has happened in terms of events as well that are outside of the X-Men that get referenced. I remember when Cullen Bunn picked it up uh, before they relaunched Blue and Gold, there was a lot that had just happened with like the Terrigan gas and all this stuff, and I I just wasn't aware of what was going on and where everybody was, and it's like, what does this mean, and what is all that? Who is this person? Uh, and it never got to a place where I was able to just smoothly transition into a story because it was always after an event and there was always aftermath. And I didn't know where that aftermath came from and I didn't know what had happened before and why everyone was freaking out. So I think if they bring it back and reset status quo, it'll be easier to like something what DC has been doing is bringing stuff back to meat and potatoes and, and resetting stuff so that people can jump into it. And uh, I don't feel having as many uh, overarching events to affect things, you know, outside of Dark Knight's Metal, but um, I don't know. They, they, they've been in a weird place for me. Same. I, I, want, I want to read more from them, but I also want it to be a smooth entrance where I can kind of jump in without having to understand the MC, the, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think what you guys are both saying represents the core issues that the X Men have faced over the last whatever fifteen years, um, the last really standout run on X Men. There may be people who disagree with this. That's fine. Uh, was Astonishing X Men by Joss Whedon? That was the last. That was really years ago. Exactly. That was a long time. Yeah, ago. that was like what the like early two thousands, like two thousand four, and. That was the last time that they were really, really relevant. After that, the next... Uh, whatever. I'm not going to rehash the whole history after that. The point is that we've had writers on the books who have been good, but they haven't been able to take the X-Men to real heights. And I don't know why that is. Um, to me, a big thing that they need to do is get rid of the kids. Get rid of the... Uh, alt the alt versions of Jean and well she's dead but and Cyclops and Beast and all they gotta go and there's a, an event coming up called Extermination which appears as though it's going to send them back to the past and that's awesome I'm glad for that because that represents a problem there you can't have two of the exact same character at, at once that's just dumb so. The other thing that they need to do is they need to get Cyclops back. He's been dead for too long. Stop it already. Bring Cyclops back and stop with him being a, a pseudo villain or whatever. Either do it or don't, right? Like, he shouldn't be ostracized from the X-Men, but still running his own team or whatever. Just get over that. Uh, and then the last thing that they need to do is they need to put a creative team on this that is going to take the X-Men to another level. 
and make that book a must-read title. It can't you can't have it be that there's three X-Men titles that are all the main title and you have to read them all in order to get the full story. Yeah, like I don't I'm not interested in that shit. Yeah, there has to be one major X-Men book and that's it and it should be uncanny. The same thing they've done with the Avengers. There's one Avengers book. They're launching West Coast Avengers, but that's like again, West Coast Smaller scale, lower stakes. That's fine. But the main title, the must-read book right now is Avengers. Even even Spider-Man, they kind of are like like bringing it back in a little bit, right? Like, right. I mean, there's – that's that's like – that's been my problem with Marvel in general for so long, you know? It's like we don't like – like we, like we you know, I, I hate to keep bringing up this example and shitting on this book. But like we always made that joke about like Black Panther, right? It's like there, we went from being – where there was a point where it's like – one Black Panther book doesn't even sell super well to now, oh, well, now we need three. It's like, no, we fucking don't. Like, one. Make one good one. Make me care about one X-Men book. And and then if that book is so wildly successful that there's room for a second one, fine. Because you can do that with the X-Men. Because, like you said, with the Avengers, right? There's enough of them where you could have another team somewhere else doing some other shit. And we've had that work in the past. X Force was awesome, you know. Like, th- there's so there's so many. Like, I don't need to sit here and list yeah. X Men offshoots. Uh, but you can't have it go from being the ostracized redheaded stepchild of your universe, like you have for the last four years, and be like, oh, we're back, and there's four books that you that you have to read. It's like, well, I'll I'll just read none of them because guess what I've been doing for the last fucking six years, not reading the X Men. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens with this. Uh, I'm excited, but I'm a sucker. So, I think this hinges on who the creative team is. Rumor has it, Jonathan Hickman is going to write this. If that's true, that's all they need. Jonathan Hickman's a god. Then you have my attention. Exactly. But until that point, Marvel will play it by ear. So, uh, Chelsea Kane is also returning to Marvel. Uh, we talked about her new series, Maneaters, last week, uh, but it was announced that she's going to be writing Vision. Uh, Marvel will be bringing back the Vision uh, in a limited comic series that she will be writing alongside her husband, Mark Mohan. Um, and uh, this is essentially supposed to be a direct follow-up to Tom King's Vision series. Huh, that's interesting. And so it's color it's, me interested. Yeah. yeah, it's life after the you know all the loss that they incurred in that book, um, and it's kind of just uh, how they're living life now that it's all just Viv, Vision, and uh, Sparky the dog. Um, the art's going to be done by Odd Koch, who is not someone that I'm familiar with, um, with covers by Marcos Martin. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thumbs up, right? That all sounds great. Um, I... I'm super interested in in following that storyline to the next logical step, right? Like, what does life look like for them after all that loss and heartache? And, you know, how does... How does Viv react to that? You know, what is, like... Where is Vision at mentally after all this stuff? Like, that's certainly interesting to me. Um... Whether or not, you know, it'll be worth retreading that ground remains to be seen. But uh, I, I'm i certainly interested in the ride, you know, and like it's it's 
from the people we know who are involved, um, something I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down. Uh, it'll be a hard follow-up, I think. Um, but uh, if if she feels that like she can tell that story and she she's confident in that, then yeah, I'm I'm all up for it. Like, no doubt in my mind that she's not going to rock it if she knows she has a story. Um, so I'm interested. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I enjoyed Vision. I'm torn. Uh, obviously, I was a big fan of Vision. It's brilliant. I don't think that we need a part two. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. not by the original creative team. And, it, you know, you could throw any creative team at this that isn't uh, the original, and I would say the same thing. But I also feel this more so, not because of Chelsea Kane, because I know she's capable. I don't know who her husband is. I've never seen his work before. I don't know what he's done. So that is concerning for me. And I know the artist, Koch, he's done uh, Ultimates 2. But outside of that, I don't know him. And I don't even remember what Ultimates 2 looked like. I think it, I think it was just, you know, kind of more of the same. Um, so... I just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. But on its face, I'm not as excited for this as I would like to be. Yeah, I would I would agree with that sentiment. Like, I'm, I'm certainly down for it, you know? Like, it's definitely something I'm interested in. But it's like, it's not like my hype is through the, the roof for it. Like, it would be if it was Tom, you know? Um, but it's not, you know? And, and I think, like, if anything... Doomsday Clock has proven to me that, like, nothing's untouchable, you know, that, like, you can write a worthy follow-up, you know, so maybe this is the thing that shows us that all these people we've never heard of or that we don't know are really, really good. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I just hope, I just hope that there's, that, like Marco said, I just hope that there's meaningful vision here. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh not my intended, god. but on. appreciated. <laughs> so much for the lack in vision. The, the lag on your end, Pete, made that so much funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you, you started to laugh, and it was just this laggy laugh. Um, but uh, puns aside, uh, I, I'm in line with that. If they have something to say, I'm here to hear them say it. But uh, short of that, I don't care about a, just a superhero comic book starring the Vision and his family. You know, same exact feelings that I had before the original Vision series launched. So ready for Chelsea Kane to blow me away. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the fact that Tom King gave us the setup for me to realize I could care about a Vision book is why it's like, well, I want to give it a shot. Like, if this doesn't do anything for me, I'm certainly not tuning in for the next yeah. one. So, unfortunately, we have some sad news to report, which is that Saga is going to be taking a break. Now, Saga traditionally takes breaks. They have three-month breaks all the time uh, in between arcs. They call them vacationanzas. Uh, but unfortunately, Saga is going to be taking at least a year-long break after issue 54. Now, uh, Brian K. Vaughn had very little to say about this. He, he did write, um, he did write a letter 
in the letter column of Saga 54, and he said, And unlike our usual three months of vacationanza between arcs, we plan to pause publication of this series for at least the next year. Um, and he talks about the fact that it's 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 got to do with uh, recharging their batteries, spending more time with their families, etc., etc., which is all completely valid. Um, but nevertheless, a year-plus-long break is a hard pill to swallow for fans of Saga. Yeah, that's gonna... It's gonna suck. Uh, but... I mean, they need it, you know, and and if and to what we said earlier, if as long as what the output is is great, take as much time as you need because that's what I care about. I'm I'm here for that story, and I'm here for Fiona's art. I'm here for Brian's writing, and if they need the time in order to just chill out for a sec and take a breath, and then come back, and then come back and like really hit us hard with something. Then yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally aligned with that. Like this is obviously disappointing. Um, I don't want to see Saga go away for a year, but uh, in the same breath, it's like Saga is so good that it's it'll be worth the wait. And I would rather them take the time that they need and and give us their best for every issue rather than um, you know have it have them like burn out, you know, and and mm-hmm, become like mm-hmm. frustrated with creating the series. Uh, because it's it's always been a labor of love, clearly, uh, and and I want it to stay that way. Um, I think the funny wrinkle in this for me is that uh, so I I just got my girlfriend to to read Saga, and it's like the first comic that she's ever picked up, and she's like already in the um, like late thirties, you know. And I told her this, and oh, she's wow. like, oh. she's like, I, I guess I'll just stop reading. I was like, no, just finish. She's like, ah. it's like I have to wait a year. It's like, but you have like twenty left. She's like, I'll read that in one day. <laughs> so. <laughs> of course, like as soon as I got her to pick up a book that was monthly, now it's going to go away for a year. <laughs> what I'm wondering is if this has any impact on Image at all, because Saga is one of their best sellers, uh, both in the monthlies and in the trades. And without True. that for an entire year, you know, if it's Marvel, it doesn't matter. But for Image, I'm assuming that kind of matters. Yeah, it definitely cuts into the bottom line, uh, especially on a monthly basis. Uh so uh maybe that's been why they've had such an uh they've had so much new content come out and so many new number ones is they're trying to maybe supplement the loss of a big book with the potential success of like there might be a sleeper hit somewhere sitting around there or uh they can at least supplement the that loss with more books to potentially get smaller increments of revenue um i mean it's gonna it's definitely gonna affect them it's just a matter of how yeah uh i i think this sucks but uh obviously if they need the time take the time because the book is one of the best books being published and you want to keep it that way so some congratulations are in order uh the eisner awards took place the annual comic book award ceremony show um and there were some big, big winners. Uh, so I, I wanted to call out a couple of things. Uh, first of all, women really ruled the Eisners this year. Uh, best limited series. Uh, Pete actually just made a joke about this. But uh, best limited series was Black Panther World of Wakanda. 
Hell yeah! Uh, by writer Roxanne Gay, uh, ta Coates, and Aletha Martinez. So that that picked up uh, Best Limited Series, which is cool. It's interesting to see Marvel take that one. Um, and then there were just a couple more that uh, I, I wanted to shout out. Um, this one is, is really special. Uh, best Writer, there was a tie between Tom King and Marjorie Liu for Monstrous. Yeah. Now, they both come home with the award. They both win, making this the very, very first time ever in history that a, <laughs> that a woman has won the Best Writer category. Wow, really? Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, Marjorie Liu took to Twitter and said, wait, I'm the first woman to win the Best Writer Award. I didn't believe it, but but I'm really going to cry. I'm crying right now. Wow. I mean, good for her. That's 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 fantastic, and that's a huge achievement. Um, I've read Monstrous, but I mean, literally everyone I know who has is loves Very it. Very good. Yeah, yes. really good. Yeah, it's really good. Sean, um, you've only read like, the first volume, right? I think I've read the first two volumes, actually. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah. What, are they, um, three now, or? Uh, yeah, they're, like, on issue 18, maybe, 17. Okay. And uh, the last one that I really wait, wanted wait, wait, wait. to... Hmm? Also, I just wanted to say shout-out to our boy, TK. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tom King. Uh, was, it's kind of funny. Uh, they, they list why or what books they won for. Um, and for him, he's got Batman, Batman Annual oh, yeah. Number Two, Batman Number Fun Special, Mister Miracle, yeah. and for her, it's just monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good. It's worth it. And then, of course, um, our other boy, Mitch Jarrett's won for Mister Miracle, hey, Best Pencil slash Inker. So, congrats to him. Uh, and Mar- Marco, I know you had a few that you also wanted to call out. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to shout out uh, the creator of Ranma One Half and Inuyasha, Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, she was also inducted to the Hall of Fame this year's. Uh, so big shout out! She, I, I, I really liked Inuyasha. It was my one of my first steps into uh, anime, specifically, especially when it was running here in the states and like Adult Swim and stuff. So uh, very much influential for me. Um, and big congratulations because uh, Ranma One Half is also really, really good. Um, I also wanted to quickly shout out Tom Gold. Tom Gold. Uh, he's a Scottish writer. Uh, I know him from Moon Cop. He's sort of he's more like uh, he does like alternative comics and stuff like that. He recently came out with Baking with Kafka by uh, D and Q. So that's one that I was definitely looking to pick up, but didn't get a chance to. Um, and then the other writer who, uh, Sean, you had heard of this book, My Favorite Thing is Monsters by yeah. Emil Ferris. So this is actually her debut graphic novel, and she's already won two Eisners for it, one for Best Graphic Album and one for uh, Best Color, or Best Coloring. Um, so that's impressive uh, on its own, and I know it was a book that was getting some pretty big hype so definitely one that i i want to pick up and uh, explore yeah so the eisners uh always interesting to see who the winners and losers are uh every year 
and uh, this year was no exception. You know, I I don't really pay attention to it. I don't really care too much. Um, but uh, some of my favorites won this year, so of course that makes me happy. Uh, and then when they don't win, then I don't care. Uh, <laughs> so we yeah, we shouted just, out. Sorry. Well, no, I was just saying it's just uh, it's just nice to see you know people get acknowledgement, you know, and be able to have that that opportunity to be honored in that way, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, especially a book like World of Wakanda, right? Got so got so much flack, and uh, here it is winning an Oscar, Roxanne Gay, Oscar winning uh, writer. So, um, we shouted out Tom King for his Oscar takeaway or Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> we let it go. We let it go the first yeah. time. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. I didn't even realize that I was doing that. Marco and I just like shared a knowing glance. We're just like, it's okay. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Just, we you did it again. Eisner. Eisner. <laughs> Tom King is an Eisner winner. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to shout him out again because he is developing a television series. It's a dystopian TV series called States of America, uh, which will be an hour-long drama uh, that is set in a deeply divided United States that has been forced to endure foreign occupation for the sake of a shaky peace after an unprovoked act of war. The series will play on the fears and anxiety of the war on terror while exploring a world where the differences that divide the country have evolved into battle cries of new nations. It's a fitting project for King, who was once a counterterrorism operations officer in the CIA. So uh, King is teaming up with Topic Studios and Playground for this series. It doesn't have a home on television quite yet. Uh, they're going to write it and shoot it and then shop it around. Uh, but I think that this is great. Um, obviously, this is a comic book, but Tom King is our boy. And uh, I think that this is a perfect place for him to showcase his skill set when it comes to utilizing his history of being a counterterrorism agent uh, and putting that into into uh, his stories. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think like... I'm obviously super excited for this. I'm interested in anything that that Tom has uh, that has hands on it. But uh, this is obviously a huge opportunity for him too. You know, I think we talked a lot about this in you know what three or four episodes ago. We we had that topic about um, how comic success you know can sometimes lead to Hollywood success, and uh, you know we all know it. It's it's no no secret that like you can make a lot of money writing comics, but you know, you can make a lot more money making TV and movies. And I don't think we're in any risk of Tom King abandoning comics for Hollywood. So the idea of him getting to stretch his legs in that sphere a little bit and ideally, you know, make some big paychecks and, you know, have an opportunity to see his star rise even higher. Uh, I think that's only a good thing. You know, like we saw how it, how it's worked for Robert Kirkman and like his ability to start a company like Skybound where he can, you know, finance a movie because he felt like it and shit like that like that's really cool and like i want to be able to see tom king be able to do that you know because i really like him and i like what he does so i would love to see like what are the projects he really believes in that he wants to to get out there and you know what what are the things that you know that that he wants to put his weight behind um and and this could be a stepping stone to him having opportunities like that and uh and that's awesome because i think he's you know 
definitely in at least in the running for the best in the business right now. You know, obviously the Eisners are great. Um, so yeah, this is super exciting. I wonder if this series would have been called "Divided States of America." <laughs> I was a thinking that comic book. Yeah, right. Because uh, <laughs> that's what I thought it was at first, and I was like, "Wait, he doesn't write that." <laughs> <laughs> Tom King would never write that trash. <laughs> so, congrats again to Tom King. Marco, are you into that? Hell yeah, man! Do you care? Um. Well, I, when I saw it, it sort of brought up something that um, Phil and I have talked about before, where we sort of think or we're afraid that Tom King might start to get restricted in where he's writing and he's not going to grow past a certain type of, um, uh, a sort of type of storytelling. He's not going to grow out of these storytelling devices. And um, this sort of seems to be in the vein of a um, Sheriff of Babylon. You know, it, it still has that focus on war and some of the trauma and, so, I don't know that it's differentiated enough from what he's done in the past. I'm still going to go to it because I know he's a good writer and I like the work that he produces. But I don't know if it's going to stir anything um, or affect me in any super deep way. I, of course, the show's not out. We don't know what it is. But uh, just something that I um, might be a little worried about. I think that for creative, creative, creative people... Uh, there are often things that you've experienced or that you can't stop thinking about that stick with you and you have to express that. Uh, you see that a lot with musicians, a lot of uh, film directors, writers. Uh, they riff on the same stuff. And I think that it's probably doubly so for Tom King because he lived through something that's extremely traumatic. And not only is it traumatic for him personally because he lived it, but also because it's a huge part of American history at this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's not being, you know, typecast, for lack of a better term, but more that he this is what he has to say. This is this is who he is, ultimately, and he can't move beyond it. So his writing won't move beyond it either. And it's also, like, worth pointing out that, like, his writing doesn't necessarily going to stay that way forever either, you know? Like, that might just be what he's writing about right now, you know? And, like, that happens a lot, you know? Like, people go through periods, you sure, know? Where, yeah, yeah. Like, this is what he's talking about because, like you said, John, he has stuff to say in this space. And also, maybe he's still working through stuff, you know? But, like, there might come a day where maybe he doesn't feel that way anymore. And we will see him focus on other areas um, more so, but like, you know, you can argue that like he is doing that in other places, right? Like his run on Batman right now isn't about war and trauma, right? Like he's writing about, you know, like relationships and, you know, like, and not, I, I maybe, right. Sean's smiling at me, so I can't really say, um, cause I'm, I'm not caught up, but, uh, like there, there are other themes present in his work, right? And it's just a matter of where his focus is for where he is right now, probably. Yeah, I, th I think that's very fair to say, and uh, his career is going to be one to watch. Uh, I think, to Marco's point, if you're not into those things, like if 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 you're bored or over what he is, what he has to say right now, then the next couple of years of projects that we know he's doing won't be for you. Because Heroes in Crisis is that, Batman is that. Yeah, uh, that's just what he's doing. 
But I don't think that means, like Pete said, that that's going to be him for the rest of his life, per se. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we'll he's see. a one-trick pony. No. You know? Um, by any stretch vision, of imagination. Vision proved that too, right? Like, Sure, right. Like, there's there, there, are, there are other themes in his work, and I think those themes are present in all of his works. But like you said, Sean, like, that's part of who he is, you know, is his trauma um, and, and loss and death. You know, like, those are things he experienced in real physical, tangible ways, you know? Like, I'm sure he watched a lot of friends die, you know, and a lot of innocent people die. And, like, you know, if if you think that you could go through that and not have that be present in your emotional, you know, work, like, that's naive, you know? Like... Yeah, I guess I, I'm just sort of I'm saying, saying it as, like... You, Marco. No, yeah, no, like, yeah. Just, it's just sort of, like... Uh, I like his work. I want to see him do other things. Hmm. Like, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I think that's totally fair. And I'm sure you will. Maybe just not yet. <laughs> Shoot, Grant Morrison can't stop talking about getting high in the Middle East in the 80s. You know, like, uh, these guys just stay stuck on themselves. <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to close things out by talking about uh, the end of San Diego Comic-Con or the biggest events at San Diego Comic-Con, which was the Warner Brothers panel. And Warner Brothers brought their A game this year when it comes to comic book movies. They've got quite a bit of stuff coming out on the horizon, uh, including Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman. Wonder Woman 1984, I should say. Uh, so there was some Wonder Woman 1984 footage shown. Uh, not much, but there is a description uh, that I'm going to read from right now. Wonder Woman lands in the mall in full costume with a little girl saying, oh my gosh, as Wonder Woman tosses her into a plush bear while apprehending two gunmen and crushing their guns. She hips her lasso around them, runs the other direction, and l- leaps off the platform to the level below. Then she runs down the street in full dash mode in full costume. Clip ends. So they showed off, you know, a little something uh, to get people excited for this film that is coming out November 1st, 2019. Uh, This scene, for me, really evoked... um, It evoked a moment from Greg Rucka's run, his second run on Wonder Woman, where she's in a mall... And she's being adored by people that are there who recognize her and little little girls who are um, in awe of her. And um, then the mall is attacked by gunmen and assailants. Yeah. And she has to uh, deal with that. It, uh, the, the, the first thing I thought of was like, huh, I, I wonder what angle are they going to shoot her landing and then fighting and then like leaping and running away? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, I mean, it's um, it's, it's still Patty Jenkins, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's like probably. I, 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 I want to see it from the that non-male gaze. Uh, yeah, I don't think Patty Jenkins is the person to deliver the male gaze. <laughs> so, I think we're we're safe on that front. Um, I, there's not a lot to say about this. I wanted to bring it up because it did happen at the Warner Brothers panel. Um, I am very interested in this movie. They're bringing back Chris Pine to play Steve Trevor, which is super weird to me. Uh, they're bringing Cheetah in 
as uh, Kristen Wiig is going to be playing her. So there is stuff happening that seems interesting for this movie, but there's no footage that we've been able to see yet. So not a lot to really take away from this clip, uh, other than to say that they are proud of it enough to showcase this movie a year ahead, over a year ahead of its actual release. So cool. Yeah, yeah it sounds pretty good. Um, I, you know, I love the first Wonder Woman and I'm very excited for the next one. So I, I like the idea of getting to see her in that, you know, 70s, 80s kind of, you know, spy vibe. Sounds great. Yeah. Next up, uh, we had the Shazam trailer. Shazam. I, this uh, was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, there were a lot of opinions floating around the internet a few months back when we saw the first images of Zachary Levi in costume, and people were not happy. And uh, those were obviously set photos that were taken by fans that you know weren't great and didn't have whatever CG or polish. Um, and now we've got to see him in full motion and everything with this first trailer. Pete, you said you thought it was great. Why don't you elaborate? Yeah, I I loved this trailer. Uh, this this left a one hundred percent positive impression on me. Um, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, I, I liked, you know, I think all of the beats that they set up really landed for me. Um, and I, you know, I know Kale said, uh, in, in our private chat that like the kind of like the wizard, the Shazam actual element of it kind of took him out of it. But to me, like it felt really appropriate, you know, like I felt like it seemed like a really good mix of the kind of classic sensibilities of what I know Shazam to be in my limited, you know, experience with, with Billy Batson and, and Captain Marvel. Um, and then, you know, that kind of in like an ultimate vibe, you know, of just like that it's modern, you know, like it, it does feel like, you know, not like a, a, like this super like throwback kind of thing, you know, like the, the kids feel like kids from today. Um, but aside from that, it, it, feel, it felt like right to me for what I know the character to be. Um, and it definitely seemed like something I'm interested in, you know, like it, it got a, a couple laughs out of me. Um, I really like the dynamic between him and his foster brother. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see if that maybe eventually materializes into Captain Marvel Jr. or something like that. Um, and we get more of the like Marvel family. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I walked away from this like. I already was interested in Shazam as a prospect because I thought it had the chance to be good for the same reason that I felt like Wonder Woman did. Um, or not not that I felt Wonder Woman could have been good. The same reasons I think Wonder Woman succeeded is what I mean to say. Uh, and this trailer reaffirms that for me. I had, I had a lot of fun with it. It was uh, definitely a tonal shift from what we've seen in the past. So it's something that I appreciated. Um, and it looks like a fun movie. Um, so I don't know much about Shazam outside of what I've read. And like, uh, there was the one um, convergence book that I read with Doc Shaner on it. And then what I know him from Kingdom Come. But even then, that's like a totally different version. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it just because it is that sort of breather from what we've had in the past with the DC movies. Um and also because I just I don't know the character and I'm sort of looking forward to it. Uh, the idea that it is like a kid in this superhero's body is really is uh, really really cool, um, and I think one that they can really play up. Uh, Black Adam's supposed to be in this, right? 
No. No. Uh, oh. Rock is going to be playing Black Adam, but... Uh, he, not in this movie. Yeah, him, the director, uh, everyone has okay. been clear that he will not be in this movie, which probably means he's at the end of the movie after credits. But you know. sure, gotcha. Okay, okay. So then that was my that, that was my question. I was like, wait, I thought Black Adam was supposed to be all right, but then yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I'm on board. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I um, I really like this trailer. I think that Shazam looks weird. I'm just going to come on and say it. A little bit. Yeah. I think that he looks very odd in the costume. What, what about him? He, well, it's Look clear It's clear that the, that the muscles are fake. And that, that looks strange. It looks like just a regular person wearing a Halloween costume. Granted, the quality of the actual suit, the material and whatnot is high. But... It, it looks odd. Um, and a lot of my friends who don't know anything about Shazam at all have all said that it, that it looks stupid. Uh, I've explained that it looks this way because Shazam is supposed to be, you know, what a kid imagines a superhero is like, right? So he's bigger than Superman and all that stuff. But for them, it's just goofy and, and dumb. Uh, I can accept it. I mean, it. it is goofy and dumb, but like I, in a good way. <laughs> it, it depends on your perspective. For them, it's goofy and dumb in a bad way, uh, especially from a superhero universe that has been totally inconsistent. Right. Exactly. Where do, how does this align with what else they've done? Uh, so, and I've expressed many times in the show that that's going to be something they have to deal with. That they've created a universe where Shazam looking this way and this movie being what it is does not make sense. Um, whether it's a good movie or not will probably be the ultimate deciding factor in terms of how well it does. But it doesn't make sense in my mind. That being said, though, this trailer for Shazam the character is pretty close to pitch perfect. I think it does a great job of establishing who he is. How he comes to be, who Billy Batson is, all that jazz. I think it, it lands all that really nicely. Um, and, I, and I enjoyed it, and I, I can't wait for this movie. I was really surprised how funny it was. You know, like, I, like, I, the, like, that first joke where he's like, um, the Foster Brothers, like, oh yeah, like, you must be thinking, like, I'm a, I'm a crippled foster kid, so, like, I have it all. Like, I, like, obviously, I'm botching the delivery, but, like, that really caught me off guard the first time. And uh, I love that scene where, like, he stops the robbers and, like, they're walking out with all the shit in his head. He's like, hey, I'm a superhero. Yeah, you know? that, was good. that was a good one. <laughs> that one landed. Yeah. It just, like, it totally, it, it feels appropriate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally in. Yep, this one this one's gonna come out April fifth, twenty nineteen. So not a super long wait. Uh, and long I'm, enough that I'm bummed though. Like I wish yeah. it was coming out sooner. You know? Oh, did they move that? Wasn't it sooner? Yes, uh, it was supposed to. I believe it was supposed to be out already. Or, oh, originally. really? Originally, I believe so. Huh, okay. I could be wrong, huh. but I, I know for sure that they moved the date. Okay. Um, seems like it was worth it. So. Yeah. Now, Pete, you mentioned that you're bummed that it's not coming out sooner, but there is a DC movie that is coming out sooner than that to Tide, 
your hunger for Shazam. Yes! <laughs> we finally got our Aquaman trailer. Uh... And I am so excited to hear what you guys have to say. A lot of speculation about what this movie would look like. There have been delays. There's been this and that. This is the first movie coming off the heels of Justice League. What do you guys think of this? Uh, I, I think I think P might have been saying the same thing. Is is this not one you're super like looking forward to? <sighs> I don't I don't know how I feel about this one. Like I got a very I I get a very uneven feeling from the trailer. You know? Like I I didn't walk away from this like co- as confident um as I did from from Shazam. Like there are things about it that I thought looked cool. There's a lot of other things that I that I thought looked really generic. Um there's a lot of like jokes and attitude from Jason Momoa's Aquaman that felt very reminiscent of like his kind of like corny dialogue in Justice League. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff I think looks really good. Some of it I thought looked a little bit weird. You know, I, I just I'm not I'm not totally sure how I feel about this one. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I don't I don't know how to feel about this one in particular just because what they've showed me isn't impressive in the sense that it's not something that we haven't necessarily seen um, in superhero movies or in um, with even within the DC movies. Uh, So there, yeah, there sort of has the same character as Aquaman and Justice League where he sort of uh, braggadocious and loud and he's just like ah you know uh, 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 looking at it for the, the thrill but then this one he's supposed to settle down in and that's against the character so I don't know it's I, I have mixed feelings on it I'm I'm surprised uh, this is this is one of my favorite trailers that I've ever seen yeah it's so beautiful this movie. That's the that's yeah. the biggest takeaway for me. This visually, is, visually is really nice. This movie is stunning. That shot of the city the first time wasn't like incredible. That looks great. Yeah, this is Black Panther levels of um, beauty uh, uh, for me, especially because we've never. I I hate underwater anything pretty much. In video games, in movies, in whatever, I don't like. I feel the same way about underwater as I do about pirates. <laughs> uh, nothing good happens underwater, pretty much. Or and on the water if you're a pirate. Exactly. And this is the first time where I'm seeing underwater stuff and it looks brilliant. Uh, they built a beautiful Atlantis. Mara, the first, I mean, every single time you see her, she's breathtaking. She's yeah. perfect. I was gonna say Amber uh Amber, Amber Heard. Heard Heard is yeah. her name. Yeah. She looks great. Um yeah. her costume is like spot on. I lost I I I I gasped out loud when I saw how good she looked. Uh obviously she's a she's a beautiful woman, but beyond that, in the comics, Mera is like a goddess. And I never thought they'd find anybody who would look right in, in for yeah. this role, and they did. 
Um, like stri- very like striking, you know, like um, yeah, yeah. She just she looks great. Black Manta is one of the best comic book characters to be adapted to screen ever visually. Yeah, he looks perfect. He looks, it it looks like the same exact character. Right off the panel. Yeah, they never get it that right. So that's two characters that they completely nailed, visually speaking. Mera seems to be uh, similar personality-wise to the comic book character. Um, I love everything about this. Granted, right? The Orm uh, Aquaman rivalry them being brothers and Orm being the king and Aquaman needed to come and usurp him. We've seen that kind of thing that, you know, it's it's very similar. We've seen that like a million times. They have the same power set, whatever. It's an origin movie. It's going to, you're going to have that, right? This is what Hollywood does. But beyond that, there's nothing that I saw in this trailer that gave me cause to pause. And and your mileage may vary. Do you have a problem with the fact that this Aquaman is cool? If you have a problem with that, then you're probably going to have a problem with this movie. Because that is the version of Aquaman that Jason Momoa is playing. That version of Aquaman is not something that we've ever really seen before. Except in Justice League where people didn't like it. I'm I'm cool with him being cool. I don't have a problem with that. Um... I just felt like he felt a little like one linery in Justice League, but Justice League's an ensemble film. Like he's gonna have a lot more room to breathe here. Like I don't I don't want you to think I came away with like negative feelings. It's just like I I I could see how this could be bad. Whereas like I walked away from Shazam just feeling like that looks super just solid. You know, whereas like but I, I said the same thing about Wonder Woman when they showed the first trailer. I was like, I don't know about this. You know, like, why are they showing this so late? It doesn't seem like they have a lot of confidence about it. Like, and I and I was totally wrong. Um, so I I like I'm I'm just still a little bit like mm, I don't I don't know I don't know that it's gonna be good. I uh, I have very very high hopes based on this trailer. And again, it's an origin movie, and it's ABC. They showed you what the movie is about in the trailer. I feel like I, I've seen the movie already based on what they showed in the trailer. Just because of how reminiscent it is of other things. And also because they they broke down the, the, the basic, you know, story. Yeah, they have the beats there and that's, that's it. Yeah. So if they just fill that in with cool stuff, uh, awesome visuals and a story that works, you've got a hit. So I'm hopeful. Uh, and... Aquaman is out December 21st of this year. So right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, So that is it for San Diego Comic-Con. And I wanted to wrap this show up with a conversation about this year's uh, San Diego Comic-Con. How did we feel about it? Who came out looking great? Uh, on it from a comic standpoint, from a film standpoint, what are you guys most excited about coming out of this? Uh, I think from a comic standpoint, maybe some of DC's announcements, um, especially as they relate to Black Label um, and how they're sort of going to address some of the things in terms of continuity. And in terms of, I think, no, actually, even, even in terms of films, like they, they, Throw out a bunch of trailers. Uh, they showcase a lot. They're sort of maybe 
getting a bit more confidence in in their movies based off of uh, the success of Wonder Woman and sort of the preamble that they've sort of had with um, with Aquaman. So I think they came out strong from the gate, and I think there's just you know at the end of the day, just more content for us to consume, and I don't mind that. Sure. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think DC had a really strong showing this year uh, across the board. Um, I think like we talked about last week, their lineup of talent for their like main titles right now is incredible. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. So that to me is the most exciting thing comics wise. Uh, I'm also super into Justice League Dark, but we had already like known about that before. But mm-hmm. like getting a little bit more information about that, that's the book I'm most interested in reading coming out of it. But I think that announcement of just like, hey, like th- these are all the people we have writing, you know, the core, you know, Justice League characters right now. And uh, it's, you know, how, it, it could it, it, it could barely be better, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> um, so that's huge. And then I think when it comes to the film and TV stuff, yeah, I'm, uh, Shazam was the thing I was most uh, excited for. Um, I went from hopeful for that movie to being actively excited for it and that's the best thing you could say like they won me over with that trailer um and that's cool because i i'm not really a big shazam guy uh at all so the fact that i'm like you know that's that's one of the films that i is definitely like as as far as superhero stuff goes definitely like top uh probably like three or five for me in terms of ones i'm most excited to see so that's pretty big yeah um I I think that DC absolutely won this. Uh, DC came out really strong, like Marco said. They showcased everything everything that we've been wondering about. They had something to say about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they clarified stuff. They elaborated on stuff, and they just didn't pull any punches. And so for me. That's what you have to do at San Diego Comic-Con. Unfortunately, there really wasn't a lot to be excited for uh, from from Marvel. Uh, you know what I did forget, though? Uh, honorable mentions to the return of What If and Marvel Knights. I'm actually really excited about both of those announcements. Um, but aside from that, there wasn't really much else of note. Yeah, I mean, they did have some cool comic book announcements. But again, the biggest announcement in terms of recognition is for 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 them comic book wise is uncanny x-men and they didn't even announce a creative team so that's come on and 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 from follow-up interviews they said the creative team is locked in so if the creative team is locked in why didn't you announce them yeah that's stupid that's a that's a bummer yeah Um, what if it's claremont can he still get it done in 2018 i don't know i don't know I know he's writing, um, I believe he was slated for one of the what-ifs. No, it's not that. He's writing the one of the X-Men Black tie-ins. We didn't talk about this, but X-Men Black is a series of one-shots that are villain-focused. And oh. he's writing one of those. Uh, I believe he's writing the Magneto one. Ooh. So, yeah. So, that's cool. Um, but uh, on the DC end... They talked all about the DC Universe, whether you liked the Titans trailer or not. We, we learned everything about it. We, we know what to expect. Um, 
we, you know, and, and everything else that we talked about this week, we got huge stuff coming from Jeff Johns. That's exciting. Uh, and for me, the biggest excitement, the, the biggest thing was the Aquaman trailer. I came into this. Really? Yeah. I came into San Diego Comic-Con wanting to know what to expect from Aquaman. I'm dying to see this trailer. And finally got it. And I'm super happy to say that I really loved it. And um, I've watched it a couple of times now. And I enjoy it every time. I think it's great. And I'm really, really excited for that film uh, more than anything else that was talked about at San Diego Comic-Con, especially because Marvel didn't show up at all when it comes to films. They did not talk or show anything from Captain Marvel. That's a bummer to me. So, um, yeah, I I think DC won by a large margin. Um, But, yeah, another Comic-Con in the books. Uh, a very, very exciting time as always. Lots of cool stuff to look forward to. I think this fall leading into New York Comic Con is going to be an awesome time. And then, of course, there are going to be even more announcements there. So this period is uh, such an awesome time to be a fan of comic books and film stuff. So stay tuned. There's, there's a lot more coming down the pipe. And, of course, we will always be here to cover it. So keep rocking with us. Uh, we're going to keep you guys posted as far as all that stuff is concerned as these stories develop and let us know what your favorite announcement was from san diego comic-con there's a ton of stuff again and there's something for everyone so um we're excited to hear what you guys have to say so why don't you sound off by hitting us in a ton of different ways we are all over the podcast hosting platforms with our favorites being soundcloud and apple Podcasts, but we love them all so wherever you listen hit us up over there we are at the Comic Spouse, wherever your social media is sold, be sure to write to us. Uh, you can write in at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Hit us with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, your thoughts about the stuff we talked about on this or any other episode of the show. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you're checking this out on YouTube, you can like the video, drop us a comment. Share with your friends and subscribe to our channel. It is free, 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 and it helps us out a lot. Hit the notification bell so that you know when we upload our newest materials. Uh, and um, yeah, Marco is holding up a sign that says writing in, and I'm not sure why. What's that about? Uh, I wrote down on a piece of paper uh, so we can, I can write in. Like the listeners can. Oh, but see, Marco, they can't see that because we're not recording the video this week. Oh, no! (laughs) Foolish fool. Well done. Uh, (laughs) So, hey, wait. Batman Gothic. Did we we get that out? Is that out? It's definitely out. It's out? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Right? Batman Gothic is out our uh book club for that is out it came out on friday i am rocking with the information that my uh esteemed co-hosts are giving me because i do not know uh but hopefully it's out and you guys can go check that out right now Uh, it's a great episode and i think you guys will love it uh so be sure to head over and uh give that a listen uh but beyond that let's do some plugs pete 
Cool. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us here in another episode of The Comics Pals. Uh, if you guys want to get some more content from me, you can catch me and Sean over on our sister show, The Video Game Pals. It posts every day after The Comics Pals on uh, all the same platforms. So if you uh, are already a subscriber or a follower or whatever, you know, just check the show out. If not, make sure you go do all those things and help us out. Uh, you can also catch me on our Let's Play show over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thecomicspals. It's called Pals Play with me and Thompson, one of the other co-hosts on the video game Pals. Uh, we took a, a week off um, this last week because I was in a musical, so we like missed two shoots. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back uh, this following week, probably with some more Detroit. Uh, become human we got uh, four episodes into that we got some requests from some of our listeners to keep that one going so if you guys want to go tune in for that you can if you want to see us play a different game you can let me know on social media i'm at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram or you can hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com and tell us what game you want to see us play next awesome marco you can follow me at mr marco animoto on instagram and twitter uh, as always, talk to me about horror stuff. Uh, Pete's into Japanese things now, so uh, maybe Bro, add come us talk a little to me bit. About, come talk to me about My Hero Academia. But I swear <laughs> to God, if you spoil anything from me, for me, yeah, don't be a dick. I'll never talk to you again. Well, where are you at in it so that people know what not to tell you? As of this recording, I am in the middle of season two. I want to say I'm on like episode 1920. Um, so by the time this posts i'll probably be in a season three so (laughs) just warn me have we'll have a dialogue about it (laughs) don't just throw spoilers out there uh and shout out to phil casey at cyborg bebop don't know why you want to talk to him but i guess we're supposed to sure and if you want to follow kale he's at Toto in tow, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. And you can uh, find his comics uh, at Panels Publishing. He has a kaiju comic called From the Deep that he did with Letty Wilson, uh, who is responsible for the pals' heads. So you can go check out their work, help them uh, pay the bills. Kale is moving right now, so that's why he hasn't been on the show. So he needs your money. So go buy his book. I'm going to shill for him. Not that he would ever do that for me, so I don't know why I'm even giving him such a <laughs> elevator pitch here, right? <laughs> Fucking fuck that guy. You know what? Give me your money. <laughs> hey, at least you know his his uh, his info. He but he doesn't even know his own info. He always struggles. Right? Ninety two like, episodes uh, in. Where where are we? I, I even know their fucking Twitter handle. Pan- panels comics with an X. Boom. What's up? You would think a guy would know the the links to his own stuff where he sells his comics. You'd think. You'd think. But we've worked with him, so I know he doesn't. Yeah, and uh, as for me, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about how awesome the Aquaman trailer is and how perfect Mera and Black Manta looks. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.